All right, welcome back to the Let's Talk About God podcast. This is episode two, the very first full episode. Um, Hey, if you haven't yet, real quick, go ahead and listen to our introduction episode. It's about 10 or 11 minutes long. If you haven't listened to that, go give it a listen just to kind of figure out who we are and what we're all about. Um, and then head back to this episode. But here it is, first full episode, episode two. We've been waiting on, we've oh, been, yeah. been looking for it. This is exciting. Uh, today we are talking about um, just an incredible topic. We are talking about the topic of the Trinity. Talking about the Trinity. Uh, <laughs> I was telling somebody recently, like, this is what we were doing. And they're like, yeah, you probably should have picked something a little bit easier for the first one. I was like, nah, we're just going nah, right for it. Let's just dive in the deep, deep end of the pool. Dive into the deep end. I mean, hey, we're talking about who God is. Like, when you talk about the Trinity, you're talking about the very essence of God. So, hey, we're... We're starting out with who is God. That's right. really what we're exactly. asking today. Exactly. I've got a weird, just just to start out, I've got a weird story. I don't condone this. Um, when I was in college, I had a professor, and he was my theology professor. And um, he, he was one of those guys that just loved to, like, stir up the pot, you know? Like, he loved to get everybody kind of riled up. And when you're in college, like, you're learning to think through things. <laughs> well, we came into class one day, and he said, you have to answer my question. And if you don't answer my question, you'll be counted as absent today. He said, I'm going to go around the around the room and you have to tell me your favorite person of the Trinity. Oh, no. <laughs> and you could see the like, like the looks on everybody's faces. And so as he went around the room, there are some people that are just like, all right, this is my professor being ridiculous. I'm going to just say somebody, get through it, get counted as present, and we'll just move on. Like, sorry, Lord. And there are some people who are like, getting into it. Like they were like, absolutely not. You will count me as absent. I refuse to choose one person of the Trinity. And he's not going to be a heretic. Exactly. (laughs) And he was just like grinning the whole time, just like stirring that pot, getting all of them worked up. So I thought that was just like hilarious. I think about that story all the time. So which one did you say? I think I just said Jesus and just moved on. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> Don't try me with lightning. Uh, I just said something and, and moved on. Um, but something cool to maybe kind of get us going and, and get you thinking is um, one of the more serious things he said in that class that always stuck to me. And he, he said, um, do you ever want to know how little you know about the Trinity and about each person of the Trinity? He said, the next time that you pray, don't use general terms like Lord and God. He said, as you pray, only use Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, and you'll realize you have no idea who, who to pray to. <laughs> yeah. And I remember him saying that just blew my mind. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, yeah, because it, and we're going to get into it today. Um, and, and thank God the Bible gives us some direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do know that we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, yeah, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So there yeah. is some direction. It was more a commentary on how little we've studied, not how little has been revealed. Right, exactly. But uh, and I think this is why this podcast is so important in the in the months to come because just talking about prayer and worship, your your prayer and worship life will only go as deep as your revelation of God. Yeah, that's good. So there, it's proportional. And so the more you know about him, then the easier it will be to pray. Yeah. And the more you know about him, the easier it will be to worship him. So that's good. Yeah, we're on the right track here. I like that. Well, look, let's go and get started. Um, when we talk about the Trinity or or the Holy Trinity or the Godhead, what do we mean? Like 
go ahead and give me like your one sentence description, like who or what is the Trinity? Um, so that's God eternally existing in three persons. That's one way to term it. Mm-hmm. God eternally existing in three persons, namely the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persona is how some people word it. Yeah. I would say I would I would go off that and just to go a little maybe deeper, a little more specific, I would say it's God eternally existing in three persons um, and that God is three distinct persons, but in one substance. Yes. And each person is co-eternal and they're co-equal um, and they work in unity together. Now, that's a lot of that's a lot of theological words. Let's talk about what does that really mean when we, when we say all those words? Well, this was the battle royale of the early church. Back uh, in the, uh, I, I think it was, uh, well, the first few centuries, I don't remember exactly which one, but uh, there was a guy named Arian who came along, mm-hmm. and uh, he was promoting some theology uh, about God and the Son that just didn't line up with the Holy Scriptures and what... They said that Jesus was cr- like a created being, right? Right, like He was right. lesser in a sense. So he was lesser, so he was inferior. Yeah. And so this forced the early church to deal with this, and um, and there were several times where they they process through, um, and so it you know brings us to this point now where you know the church has processes through, but we do see them as you have to understand that there's so the concept there's one God but three persona or three persons the Father Son and the Holy Spirit and yet they when we say they they're eternal they've always been mm-hmm. okay so God didn't create Jesus Jesus didn't create the Holy Spirit that yeah. that's the false concepts, but that they've they've always been together mm-hmm. uh, as one from the beginning. That is God. Yeah. God in three persons. And, and sometimes today it's going to stretch your brain. And it's going <laughs> to sound crazy because probably we need to come out of the gate, Evan, and say this is a, as much as we're going to explore this today, there is a limitation. And maybe we'll just go say that right now. There's yeah. a limitation with our finite minds. Yeah of how much we can understand because it's a holy mystery. Yeah, it, it, that that's the perfect word for it. It's a mystery. It's a holy mystery. And so but but what we understand is that they are they are so so they are not none is inferior, none is superior, uh and none created the other. They mm-hmm. all have you know Jesus the the, the Bible says that uh, Jesus was the lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. Yeah, he's always existed. He's always existed. You know, yeah. in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yeah. So, so there, just with Jesus alone, there's that understanding that He has always been. He is He is an eternal, eternal God, from everlasting, everlasting. Thou art yeah. God. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of that that whole concept. And any if you get into anything else, um, that's there's good times we talk about the word heresy. That's where they actually. The early church said, "You're a heretic." Yeah, because it goes against what the Holy Scriptures say. And it's not something that they decided. <clears throat> maybe I'm going to say quickly or easily, but they had lots of councils and lots of meetings and lots of discussions. Like this was a serious thing because when you're talking about the very essence, like who is God, like you take that seriously. And that's kind of why we're talking about that today. Is you're figuring out what is the nature? <clears throat> excuse me. What's the nature and the makeup of God? Right, and and <clears throat> and what. What we could say here is that um, that they are one in like I heard I've read one theologian said they're one in essence and power and glory so they're one mm-hmm. they're all it's, they're one God is one he's 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 unity and plurality yeah so that to use these terms he's unity with plurality and that's the mystery yeah but they're one in essence power and glory however 
they are subordinate to one another in roles, in, in how they function. And that is something that was decided within the, the, the council of the Godhead. I just said that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In And he's the, he, or he's the begotten son, the beloved son. Mm-hmm. In who knows how far past, I mean, this is where our minds get limited. We're going to blow a fuse. <laughs> At some point, was that decided or is that just always the way it's been? Yeah. Because God has always been. And so, and and would you even describe that as like a functional subordination, or maybe a distinct role? I think it's both. I think it's for mankind. I think in I think it's both. I think that's that's the role they've established, but but then for mankind, it's very functional because you have God the Father, and then God the Son, and and we know God is. We start talking about how this God's the Creator, Jesus is the Savior, and then the Holy Spirit is the executor and the, the applier, the applier of, the salvation, of, yeah. of the salvation. And so I, I, it's, it's just amazing how those roles are very functional mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's good. I, I think, um, you know, it, when you start breaking that down, it, it does kind of stretch your mind um, a little bit to, to say that God is three distinct persons. Um, and just to clarify, but it's not three distinct gods. It's not Polytheism, Polytheism, three distinct persons, um, but one substance, meaning that it's God. And and the Bible makes that clear, like, excuse me, in Deuteronomy 6, 4, this is a very key verse, especially for the Jewish faith. It's called the Shema or the Shema. Um, It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so although the three persons are working together and have distinct roles, there's still one substance, one God working together in unity for really one goal. And this and, is and this is basic. This, this is, is yeah. this is foundational. Yeah. That's this is the starting point is that there is one God. Um in the in the religion of Islam, one of the difficulties that the religion of Islam has with Christianity is that they they have said that we are we are polytheist. Yeah. Because we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, which we don't believe that. That's not true. And so mm-hmm. we want to make that clear today in this podcast that we don't believe in three gods. There's one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yeah. And there are numerous scriptures in the Bible that talk about that. And yet you cannot ignore the fact that there are numerous times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament where there are three distinct persons recognized recognized fully as God. Yeah. And sometimes in the same passages or in the same context. Yeah. And before we get to that, um, which I think we should just, let's talk about that before we get to that, let's fully um, flesh out. You mentioned earlier that as we move on and as we talk about that three persons, one substance, um, once again, this is a mystery. And so as we sort of get into the rest of the podcast, I know we said it before, but like um, this is something that's difficult to understand. But I I saw one writer um, and it says this, that that the Trinity doesn't go against reason, but it does go beyond reason. Right. So it's not um, it's not a paradox. It's not saying something is one thing and also a different thing. It's not saying a cup is also a cloud, right? That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. That right. goes against logic. Um, but it does go beyond our capacity to understand. Um, but it's something that we accept by faith. It's something that I think you shouldn't be surprised that the greatest being ever, right, that exists is beyond our 
full comprehension. Yeah. Um, so I would say as you think about this and as you listen to this, if, if you start to struggle or, or if it goes past just like comprehension, which it does, um, don't freak out or don't worry or don't doubt your faith or anything crazy like that. It's like we're talking about the nature of the highest being. Um, this is a mystery, and we accept it by faith. We understand it by faith as much as we can, and and then we walk in that. You well, know? it may be illogical, but it's not irrational. Exactly. So, yeah. So I think that's what we're trying to say. Is it my logic? I can't. I can't. I can't grasp this. Well, neither can you grasp the eternality of God. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid that they were teaching me, and when I was a child in church about how God always existed. Well, I was trying to figure that out. You know, somebody started it. Yeah. But no, they didn't. He just, he just is. Yeah. You know, that he's the ever present God. He's just always existed. And it's hard for us to understand it because everything has a, a being. We're mm-hmm. used to cause and effect yeah. when he's the uncaused cause. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. caused him. And so uh, they're just, that's what makes him God. Yeah. If we could figure him out, then he wouldn't be God. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I remember as a kid, and then we'll, then we'll move on, but I remember like thinking, trying to just think about eternity past and it would almost like fog my brain. Yeah. Like I don't exactly. even know, like that's the best way to describe it is if fog moved Or your in. mind just shuts down, <clears throat> just closes down. Yeah. Computer locks up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I think too, and, and and then we'll move on. Maybe you've heard of some illustrations um, to, to just sort of break this down. Like maybe you've heard of water, ice, and gas. Um, at the end of the day, every illustration is going to break down. So there might be some aspects that are helpful, but they're not fully true. So like, for instance, the right. water, ice, and gas, um, the, the, the problem is there's you don't see like that, um, that, that unity there. It's the same substance, but it's three different forms, not three distinct things. Does that make sense? Right. And so that's where, you know, th- that kind of gets... Um, sketchy, or maybe you've heard of a three-leaf clover, but there, you don't see the distinction there. Um, I saw something that you and I were talking about the other day that still breaks down, but I thought is has been the most helpful illustration that I've seen yet, is think of the Trinity as a mathematical equation. One times one times one equals one. So you've got three distinct variables, I guess, but then the sum total is still one. So they're all one, but they're still distinct. <laughs> right. And that might be the closest one. The closest you can and, get. And like you said, no analogy is ever going to really <laughs> yeah. perfectly illustrate Yeah, I mean, the yeah, the Godhead. Yeah. So, um, no, I think that's great. But we started talking about earlier about where we see the Trinity in the Bible. I, I think it's important to... to point out um, that we never see the word the Trinity in the Bible. Right, that's it, not it's a never biblical used. word. It was, right. um, you know, it was, it was talked about later with the early church fathers, um, but you do see very clear evidence of the Trinity in the Bible. So what I'd like to do is let's talk about the New Testament first, because that's a little bit more of um, just familiar ground. Okay. And then let's talk about the Old Testament, where there's definitely a lot of questions of, whoa, where do we even see the Trinity at all? But let's go ahead and lay that foundation with the New Testament. Where do we see the Trinity, um, and each person of the Godhead affirmed in the New Testament? Well, uh, there's several several places, um, and probably the one that, uh, if, you, if you're familiar with Jesus' life, you would be familiar with this, was when Jesus, uh, just before he started his ministry, he went to the Jordan River and was baptized by John the Baptist. Yeah. And so John takes him under the water, and as he comes up out of the water, he's standing there praying, 
And the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord descended from heaven in the form of a dove, like a dove, mm-hmm. and lit upon him. And then a voice spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Yeah. So in this one context of his baptism, you have God the Father speaking from heaven uh, with God the Son incarnate, standing in the either on the bank or in the water, mm-hmm. uh, and then the Holy Spirit coming on him. Yeah. So there you go. There's there's a perfect example right there of the three members of the Godhead manifested in that one context. Yeah, and that that's crazy. That's like, yeah. what a crazy scene right there. Oh, like, how would you oh, like to have been there that day, stood there when all that was happening? That's just wild to me. Um, yeah, I think that's a fantastic um, just look at um, at all three persons of the Trinity. I think another maybe very familiar one is in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Um, he says, you know, Jesus tells us to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Tell me what you were just telling me. I think that I've never heard this before. Well, as we were prepping for this today, I read something that I'd never read before. I just never noticed it. It says um, Jesus, it's in the Great Commission. Yeah. Okay, so this is really important because the Great Commission is the mission of the church. Mm-hmm. So... Go and make disciples of all nations. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what I know here at High Praise is our statement of purpose is making disciples of Jesus one person at a time. It's everything we do is about that. It's yeah. what drives us. And so in that, go and make baptizing them, and it says in the name. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that Jesus didn't say in the names of yeah. the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said in the name, of the, which is singular. So you have the singular name, but the plurality of the Godhead. Wow which is, that's fascinating. That's such like a, a simple observation with like, I guess, profound or important implications. Like yeah. something you just so easily skip over. Right. But that's so important for understanding of who God is. Um, I, I think some other places we see in the New Testament is through a benediction that the Apostle Paul gives in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God... And whenever the New Testament uses that general term God, they're referring to God the Father. Yeah, that's um, understood. So you see, yeah, that understood the love of God or God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So right there, the Apostle Paul is acknowledging the Godhead. He's acknowledging the Trinity and and making sure to include all three persons of the Trinity um, in this benediction in wishing that God would would be with the Corinthians. Yeah, and it, and it may be very possible, too, that benediction may have just been something Paul written, wrote, but it also may be something that they used in the church. Yeah. So he may be quoting something that was used— A common saying around common the church. common saying, yeah. so that even in that, in that first century, at the earliest stages of the early church, um, they're, they're, they have a Trinitarian concept in the benediction in their services. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Um, and then uh, one more familiar thing, we'll just throw this out. First Corinthians 12, four through six, Paul's talking about um, spiritual gifts. He says, there's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Now this is similar to God. It's understood what, that when the New Testament says Lord, they're referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So that's just one more verse that you kind of um, lock away in your head and um, and, and see where the Trinity shows up. Well, yeah, and, and to just show you how, you know, we were talking earlier about how they, they function. Mm-hmm. They each have, a, they have different functions or different roles. 
and how that affects the church. This is a good example, Evan, right here, mm-hmm. where it says um, that um, that there are there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Okay, if you keep reading in First Corinthians on in twelve, thirteen, fourteen, he talks mm-hmm. about the nine gifts of the Spirit. Just the Spirit, his distinct role is to give. These yes. gifts, so yeah. it's the the gift of tongues and interpretation and prophecy and faith and miracles and healing and word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Those are distinct operations of God, the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. All right. Then he says there are there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. Well, if you go to Ephesians, it talks about when Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave gifts unto men, and then Paul tells it what they are: they're the fivefold ministry. Yeah, apostles, prophets, evangelists pastors and teachers. Mm-hmm. So those are the gifts that Jesus gives to the church. So the Holy Spirit gives the gifts that I just, the nine gifts I just listed to the church. Jesus gives the, the offices. The offices. Yeah. And then there's another passage, I think it's in Romans. I, 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 I don't have that right now with me, but it lists gifts that God gives, Yeah, particularly the church. I think something's like leadership and giving and whatever. Mm-hmm. So there, if you just look at that again, it's, it's the Godhead you know, we could say, well, God's giving us these gifts, right? But within their roles, they're giving specific gifts to the church, yeah, for different different reasons, different capacities. I yes. think that's cool, and that yeah, I think it's beautiful, and still in that same like perfect union, nothing clashes or goes against one another. Like the Godhead is working together for God's own purpose and everything, right? And then we see that um, in your human body, mm-hmm. you have many members, but you're one body, yep. and you're working together. Same thing's true with the church, and that's why the church is a reflection of the image of God because there are many members with many gifts and talents, and yet we're all working together. We're the body; He's the head. Yeah. So it's amazing how what is true within the Godhead, the the unity, but plurality is true within the church. Yeah. And it works. It's we're, 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 we're a lot of different people, but we're one. Yeah, exactly. We're one in Christ. I'll give you one more that uh, maybe we haven't talked about that I was thinking about. Um, our church, High Praises Church in Anderson, South Carolina, um, we're a Pentecostal church. So we believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and we, we uh, fully believe in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. We're unapologetic about that. Yeah. We, we've seen the power of of God in a variety of ways, miracles and healings and things of that nature. Very balanced, very balanced. Uh, yeah. seen, you and I have seen fanaticism. We, we avoid that. Scripturally based. Scripturally yeah. based. Done we, in order. Done in order. We, we believe in all that. But, um, but I was thinking too, as we were talking about today, this subject, um, the whole Pentecostal experience, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, um, and what, what goes on there, the Trinity is involved. Because if you go to Acts chapter 1, Jesus' final words of the church, he, he calls it the, the promise of the Father. Mm-hmm. So the baptism with the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. Think about Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Right. The Father promises or prophesies. In right, the last days, says the Lord. Pour out my spirit on all I'll flesh. Pour out my spirit on all yeah. flesh. And so you know that it, it's a promise. It's a, it's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. But you have Jesus, who is the baptizer, because John the Baptist comes along and says, I baptize you with water into repentance, mm-hmm. but there comes one after me whose shoe straps I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Yeah. So he said, I'm baptizing you with the water. So Jesus is the baptizer. So God promises it. Jesus baptized. But, but when I baptize people in water baptism, I'm the, I have to have a candidate. I'm the baptizer, but there has to be an element. 
Yeah. And the water is the element. Well, the, the Holy Spirit is the element. You are baptized with the Holy Spirit. So again, even in the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is involved in Pentecost. Yeah. That, that's pretty powerful, yeah. especially if you're you know Pentecostal like us. Yeah, that's something that as you get into like very, I guess, specific parts of Christianity, you, you begin to unravel and unfold that the Trinity is working together really in like, I guess, all parts or a lot of parts of the Christian life. Does that make sense? Like, I oh, think a lot yes. of the times we compartmentalize, well, God the Father's only doing this, and the Son's only doing this, and the Spirit's doing this, and we kind of, uh, we don't process it as when God's working in our life, He's doing it in a Trinitarian way. Does that make sense? Well, it does, and I mean, I think this is a good segue to the Old Testament. Yeah. So we talk, let's, let's go to the Old Testament, and there's your perfect example is Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. In the very first verses of the Bible, what you just said we see happening. Now we yeah. have to go to John chapter one to get the complete picture. Yeah. But in the beginning, God, which is like you said, would be understood as God the Father. Mm-hmm. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Next verse, we're introduced to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved yeah. upon the face of the water. So mm-hmm. you have the first person of the Godhead and the third person of the Godhead. And then if you go to John 1, in the beginning was the Word, with a capital W, yes. and that is a is a title, a name for Jesus, that's mm-hmm. understood. So in the beginning was, so we could, let's change it, in the beginning was Jesus, mm-hmm. and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Yep. Okay, so that means, and, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Yep. So that means Jesus was there at creation. Yep. So it's exactly what you're talking about. Is is and, one, and what is Paul saying? In Colossians, all things. Were, speaking of Jesus, all things were created through Him and for Him. And through Him and for Him. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, there you go. It was it was the Godhead there at creation. So it's not like you said just one. Yeah. Again, they're they have different roles, but they're one God mm-hmm. working together always yeah. as as one because yeah. He is one God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Um, and yeah, so you, you immediately see that in the Old Testament. Um, and, and I like that, that you still see the Father and the Spirit very clearly. Like you need that New Testament revelation to, to understand Jesus, but it's not like you only see the Father in the Old Testament and nothing else clearly. I mean, even from the get-go, you know what I mean? You realize, yeah, and, which I think uh, well, is great. Well, and, and let's go there because a lot of people think, well, you see the God, you, you see God, the Father, and this God of the Old Testament, and, you know, then Jesus shows up in the New Testament. You know, the joke yeah. was, um, and kind of the comparison was, um, when I was growing up, thank God for technology, but we didn't have all that technology, so we had flannel graph Jesus. Oh, man. So if you even know what a flannel graph is, it's yeah. a you know, little fuzzy board, uh-huh. and it would have a backdrop, and then they would have these cutout characters. And they would look like, you know, little cut out Jesus and sheep and shepherds and whatever. And they would put it up on, it would stick to the flannel graph. Yeah. So you're in Sunday school and you had flannel graph Jesus. And flannel graph Jesus was just so nice and loving. And, took, and then wants to give you a hug. Right, give you a hug. Then you grew up and had to go upstairs in a big church. And then you had some preacher up there talking about God. And yeah. it's like, what happened to flannel graph Jesus? Yeah. And you the story of Noah's not that fun after all. That's right. <laughs> and, and yeah, why does, it the pre- why does it the pastor use a flannel? Yeah. Flannel graph, rather. And so I think it's the same thing with the Old Testament is people just think the New Testament is flannel graph Jesus. 
in the Old Testament is this God, and I know it's another yeah. episode of this God of the Old Testament, but, but Jesus is there. Yeah. I mean, he's there, like we already said, a creation, John says it, but um, the, 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 there's, a, there's a concept that a lot of people don't understand. If you read the Old Testament, there's this, this, this angelic being that shows up every once in a while mm-hmm. called the angel of the Lord. Yeah. The angel of the Lord. And oftentimes in the Bible, it's capitalized. And so almost on every occasion, and the context will determine where sometimes if it's just an angel from the Lord. Mm-hmm. But the context will usually show, and there are some where it's called the angel of the Lord shows up. Well, this angel is unique, okay, because there's one particular occasion where he was worshipped. Yeah. And it, and he permitted it, okay? Well, only God would permit worship, and no mm-hmm. angel would permit himself to be worshipped. They always stop if that ever happens. Yeah. And so it's understood by theologians that the, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament that shows up at different times, that's the pre-incarnate Jesus. Yeah. So Jesus always existed, and he just didn't show up at, at the in Bethlehem. Yeah. He's always been. And he received he, worship from men. Like that was, received, a, that was a goal of the Trinity for Jesus to receive worship. Right. And so as the angel of the Lord, he was received because yeah. he was God. Yeah. Okay. And so you have that. Then you have the spirit of the Lord. We know the spirit of the Lord because we see him in Genesis. Then the spirit of the Lord's coming mm-hmm. upon Samson. Yep. You know, the Bible says three different times that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Well, he would rip the jaws, of, rip a lion in two. and The jerk, spirit of the Lord. Yeah, gates off of a city and carry it. So yeah, yeah. so they, you know he, they're there. All three persona are there in the Old Testament. Well, it was a it was a unique thing too for the kings of Israel. Like a requirement was for the spirit of the Lord to come upon them. So as David is like watching sheep, he's also like killing bears and lions and all kinds of stuff by God. You know what I mean? Like, and he's he's given the spirit of the Lord to be king, and God actually takes his spirit from Saul. Once Saul has sinned and is kicked out of his office. And puts the Spirit, the Spirit of God comes on David. Yeah. Yes. So the Spirit had unique roles um, in the Old Testament, and and we see him. Um, and, and I think that's really interesting. And I think something that's cool, too, is that Hebrew word for the Spirit is ruach, which also means like wind or breath. And then when we go to Pentecost, it's like a mighty rushing wind. wind. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit descends there. So I think that's that's kind of a cool connection. In the way that we see the Holy Spirit, yeah, and I think there's another one we're missing on, uh, that we that we talked about is um, which a lot of people know the story. It's one of my favorite, probably one of yours is, is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, I read that the other night. Yeah, yeah, so the three Hebrew boys are taking their stand against the Babylonian king, the most mm-hmm. powerful man in the world, and who's created this tall golden statue, and he wants everybody to bow down. Well, they're not going to bow down because they serve Jehovah. Yeah. And so they stand before the mighty king, and he threatens them and says, if you don't bow when the music's played, I'm going to throw you in a furnace. And they said, oh, king, we're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, the God that we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, and we die, we're still not going to bow. Well, that ticked him off. Yeah. So he heats the furnace up seven times hotter. They bind the, the, the three young men up and throw them in this furnace. Uh, the furnace is so hot, it kills the soldiers. Mm-hmm. And so you'd think it would kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? No, wrong. So the furnace cools down. The king looks in, and he trips out, calls all of his assistants over and says, did we not throw three guys in there? And they said, yes. Then he said, why is there four? <laughs> they're, three, they're all loose. They're walking around in the fire, and yeah. the fourth one looks like the son of God. That's crazy. And so yeah, I would think, you know, to me— and I, I'm taking a little license here, but obviously I think it's Jesus. Yeah. I think, again, that's the pre-incarnate Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, very, very possible. Yeah, yeah. Which now the preacher wants to come out of me is when you go through the fire, Mm-mm-mm. he'll always be there. Where's the organ? <laughs> See if I can throw that in there post production. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. We see um, the Holy Trinity working together um, all, all throughout the Old Testament, and that that greater revelation is just shown in the New Testament, in the fullness of time. We see it a little bit more clearly, but you can definitely see it in the Old Testament. God has always worked as the Trinity. It's never just been God the Father. So um, maybe we've already covered this, and, and we can move on. Um, is there any more that you'd like to say on the distinct roles of each person? Now, we've talked a lot about how they work together, but what are maybe some of the unique roles of Father, Son, and Spirit? Well, I think what's most evident, and I think what's the, the, the best part of all, is when you start talking about salvation, um, you, th- I think there are distinct roles there, and I think we made mention of it earlier. But here, here's God creating man, and then man blows it. Mm-hmm. We, we have the perfect setup, and, and, and then we blow it. And sin comes into humanity and destroys completely the fellowship and the relationship that man had with God. And so thousands of years go by and the world populates and generation after generation is faced with this dilemma that I'm created by God to have a relationship with God, but I can't because there's sin in my life. And it, it puts a chasm between me and God. It separates, yeah. sin separates. It makes me spiritually dead. Something has to be done. Mm-hmm. And, and so God and we won't get into this, but in the Old Testament through the sacrificial system, made he, he made a way really from day one. I mean, he, when he, Yeah, he promised Eve, you know, that that your offspring would crush the head of the serpent. Exactly. There's a there's a prophecy of Jesus from mm-hmm. day one, and then he kills the 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 lambs. I'm sure they were sheep, the lambs mm-hmm. to create skins for coverings for Adam and Eve. Yeah. And by the way, that, that wasn't just physical covering by the death of the animals. They died in the place of Adam and Eve for their sins. Yeah. So there was atonement just from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that didn't work. And so God so loved the world. God, the father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes him should not perish but everlasting life. So he sends Jesus. So Jesus comes as the lamb and to die and so he has that role. But then who is it that makes, puts it into effect? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus mm-hmm. said, unless a man is born again, born of the Spirit, yeah, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so regeneration is a... a that's the birth. living water that Jesus speaks exactly. of to the woman at the well. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's it's the Holy Spirit. So when the sin goes out, Jesus comes in. But how? Through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because salvation is not just an outward thing. And it's not just a positional thing where, hey, I'm no longer at odds with God. Mm-hmm. I'm now a child of God. It's more than that. God takes up residence in you through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think that's where their roles. And then he helps me to live right. And he helps me to become like Jesus. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he sanctifies me and helps me to overcome sin. And so that I can be in that right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, well, I'd like to move on for, for the last few minutes. Let's just ask some, let's ask some tough questions. If that wasn't tough enough, <laughs> let's ask some tough questions. We'll go with one um, that's off of the sheet. I was asking you this the other day. I think this is, um, this is so, so interesting. Then when we talk about the Trinity, um, you know, we think of the Father, and we think of the Father maybe speaking or doing something else. When we think of Jesus, we think of 
the incarnate Jesus, and then we think of the Son, or excuse me, the Spirit, we think of you know, the fire, the wind, or, or some sort of manifestation. Um, but I think what's interesting is to ask, especially in the Old Testament, are there any times where the Trinity in its fullness shows up? So, for instance, when Adam and Eve are walking in the garden, um, and, and it's clear that God walked with them, Adam heard God. Um, who was there? <laughs> was it the entire Trinity showing up? Is that possible? Uh, that's that's a good question, and I it may be that we just don't have enough information to make a definitive answer. It's a non-essential. To be clear, the answer at the end of the day doesn't make too much because difference. they're one. Yeah, exactly. That I think that's your point. Yeah. Is is well, was it God the Father? Okay, it very well could have been that the manifestation to them mm-hmm. was God the Father. You know, with Him speaking to them and how He showed up, and, and it doesn't say how He showed up. Mm-hmm. So he may have been invisible, but that he heard her voice and felt a presence. But so it may have been technically God the Father. Okay. But the reality is it goes back to what you said. It's still God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Yeah. The triunity, thus a trinity. So I just think it's so interesting because I was I was reading the book on that where he, he was uh he was asking a lot of those questions, like for instance, the burning bush. Who is that? The pillar of fire and the cloud that was manifested. What member of the Trinity was that? Or when the Lord descended on Sinai to give the covenants, who yes. was that? <laughs> right. You just start thinking, you're like, okay, God did show up. Show He did show up there. What really happened? Right. And yet, if you go, what, what did Paul say in one of the letters of the Corinthians that they had this rock, and his rock was Jesus. Mm-hmm. So he made reference that the rock that they got the water out of. And he made it, he was a metaphor. It's a type, I guess. A type, right? yeah. but he made reference to Jesus. Or the, so, the serpent or the staff, whatever that was raised. Which was symbolic well. of Jesus. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think I think that probably in a in a Jewish Hebraic mindset, it would be God the Father. But in our Christian mindset, you still have to say, it's not like God the Son, God the Holy Spirit sat up in heaven. And did nothing And just watched day. from yeah. the balcony and said, Okay, Pop, go ahead. You know, <laughs> Father, just do. It's yeah. not that they, they are one. Yeah, exactly. So, but how he manifests is his choice. Yeah, different ways at different times. Yeah, that's that's just kind of a fun. Question yeah, that to is ask. cool. Yeah. Um, here's one that maybe is a little bit more difficult, um, and, and and I think this is helpful for people because as you encounter your Bible, there's a lot of difficult things and a, a lot of questions that you might have that you kind of have to sort out, and that's kind of difficult to understand. How do we deal with situations, especially in the New Testament, um, where it seems like the Son doesn't know something that the Father knows? So, for instance, in Matthew 24, 36, Jesus says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So if the Son, as we've been talking about this whole time, is God, how can God not know something that God knows? Or is there maybe something a little deeper um, that Jesus is talking about here. Give us some clarity on that. Well, again, that's that's one of those that you just have to start thinking it through and saying, how is that possible? Because if God is all-knowing, and he is, mm-hmm. so he knows everything perfectly, past, present, and future, and they are one, then how is it that the Son couldn't know what the Father knows? Yeah. Okay, well, is there possible for God not to know something? Okay, so inherently no, but by choice, maybe yes. Because um, I'm going to go this route, they come back to this. 
isn't it true that when he covers our sins and forgives us our sins, that the prophet said he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness and remembers them no more? So while God knows all your sins, in his divine ability, he can do what we can't do, and he can forget something. He can, like a computer, delete it and not remember it anymore. I mean, I mean that's that's possible. Yeah. So in in the in the Godhead, knowing what the plan of salvation would be, that there would be redemption, and then the church age, and then Jesus would come back one day. Uh, it may have been that the Father; it was determined that the Father would determine that day, and that the Son would not know that. So, so yeah. that, that would just be something that only the the Father would know. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, why? Well, I think because if he did know the day, they might have pestered him every day and said, when, Lord, give us a date. Give us a date. We need a date. <laughs> so this is just Jesus saving himself some trouble? I, I don't know. but <laughs> I like to think that. Yeah, it might have been. But, um, but yeah, that's, that would be the only answer that I, that I could come up with is that, that it, it's something that they've determined within the Godhead. Within the, it's just, you know, if there were three of us sitting at the table— and we said, now we're going to do a certain event, a certain day, and 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 for reasons that are divine, we decided in council. You know what be best is you're the only one that needs to know this, and let's just keep it. So if we can do that, why can't God do that? Yeah, I think uh, for me, like a, a different perspective is <laughs> here. We go. I call him Augustine. Dad says that his name is Augustine, it's Augustine. based on St. Augustine, Florida. You go Florida. to Florida, you go to St. Augustine, Florida. I, I've been to St. Augustine on vacation. It's St. Augustine. We named an NBA team the Boston Celtics instead of the Celtics. Yeah, so but we don't have the greatest history of, of pronunciation. It's Augustine. All right. Well, that guy, it was a, <laughs> uh, he was a prominent theologian. He, he wrote a book on the Trinity, and, and so his... What he would say is that when Jesus says something like that, that he's referring to himself as the servant Jesus, as the one who humbled himself as in the form of a servant. So we know that Jesus um, is 100% divinity, and when he took on humanity, he didn't get rid of his divinity. He just added humanity. Right, it was right? the addition of humanity, not exactly. the subtraction of divinity. Exactly. exactly. So 100% divinity and 100% humanity, which means that Jesus' 100% divinity being God could still know that day, but in reference to his 100% humanity, he did not know. That he was making a distinction between um, servanthood and godhood. And, and, and I heard, I listened to a podcast that was a lightning round. It wasn't on the Trinity like this. They just were asking a bunch of different questions. Someone asked a question like this, and, and one of the people on the podcast asked a question that, that kind of blew my mind. They said, um, we have to ask ourselves, does Jesus make this distinction between God and servant? Because then you have to ask, on the cross, did God die or did the servant Jesus die? Because <laughs> if God died, maybe we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, I think then you're, you're, I think, you, you know, you're starting to stretch things. I mean, that, I mean, Augustine was trying to come up with that. I mean, he was trying to come up with a concept. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously God cannot die. Yeah. But Jesus again was 100 percent God, 100 percent man. Mm-hmm. So, so well, since God can't die, man can. Mm-hmm. So the 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 man part, the humanity of Christ, is what died, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And God, He didn't. He He His His spirit 
left and uh, because God is spirit. Yeah. So um, then we know in those three days he was actually doing things. Which yeah. We won't get into that. Maybe we can do that in a podcast one day. But um, no, I, I, I really, you, know, you get back to the incarnation, were there limitations? Yeah. But I think there, there was, again, that was done. And, and I know what Augustine's saying, the mm-hmm. servant role. I think Jesus limit, there was limitations uh, in some capacities because he wanted to model for us how to walk and live in the power of the spirit. Yeah, exactly. I'm convinced of that because um, I've, I've made reference. I wrote a book and showed where Jesus operated in seven of the nine gifts of the spirit. Now the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation is a, is a post resurrection church phenomenon, mm-hmm. but, but prophecy and faith and miracles and healings. And there were times when he knew what people were thinking or he would know things about somebody that was supernatural, but but I believe it was through the Spirit of God, like the woman at the well. He knew how many times she had been married and that she was living with a guy. Mm-hmm. He never met the woman. He even knew to go through Samaria instead of taking some other sort right. of Right, so route. the divine leading of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So again, he was there was the leading of, of the Holy Spirit in what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was, and yet there were things that he did that was God. Okay. When they brought the paralytic on the, on the, the couch mm-hmm. and they couldn't get in, they had to break through the roof and let him down. Yeah. He said, son, your sins are forgiven you. Well, only God can do that. Yeah. So he knew he was God, mm-hmm. but yet in, in, as the man, God, man, it seems there were some limitations. Uh, and that's the question. That's the, the, I mean, it may be heaven before we really know yeah. to what degree there was. Um, but the, the point is um, he heard the Father and he operated in the Spirit. Yeah. And even in his incarnation, you saw that working together of the, of the, go, Trinity. Of the Trinity of one, operating yeah. as one. Yeah. So. yeah I, I think that's a fantastic answer. I, I think that's just an it just adds to the the beauty of the trinity and the way that god works together that even in the incarnation of jesus you see all three persons working together for that same common goal so i i, I love that i love just seeing that picture a lot I mean, and and i think that kind of segues into um we want to grow in knowledge we want to grow in understanding of who god is um but what are some maybe applicational or practical things that we can take from the Trinity. And I would say just starting off is, um, is unity that, it, that as the church, we know, j- just like you talked about, we're one body, many members, like the Trinity is one substance, three persons, and they all work together. I think we can learn a lesson from the very nature of God and that we're called to work together as the church in unity, in peace towards that same goal. Yes. I mean, Jesus high priestly prayer in John 17, which was the last prayer he prayed for the church uh, before, he, before he went to the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and then he prayed for the sinners, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do when he's on the cross. Yeah. But he prayed for the church, Father, they may be one, even, even as, as we are one. Yeah. And I think that the, um, the division that happens between Christians, born-again Christians, or, or in Christianity, breaks the heart of God because he wants us to be one. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be one. Even in the early church, there were um, there were people who had come out of Judaism and got saved, but they wanted, they wanted to keep divisions. 
Mm-hmm. They wanted to keep the Jews and the Gentiles separate. And that was one of the earliest issues of the early church was that, no, not, we're not going to do that anymore. God has broken down that middle wall yeah. that was like a partition standing between Jews and Gentiles. Like yeah. in the temple, the Gentiles were on one side of a wall and they couldn't go any deeper into the temple, but a Jew could go deeper. And it's like God crushed that wall and opened it up and said, no, mm-hmm. not anymore. They're one. Yeah. And so the the unity of God stresses the unity that we ought to have in the body of Christ. And Paul talks about the human body, again, is just as you have many members and yet they're one, uh, we should strive for unity. Mm-hmm. The heartbeat of God will always stress unity. And that's a powerful message for the church. It's a powerful message against um, racism and racial tension and ethnic tension and anything like that. Um, you know, we've always seen the, the unity and the cohesiveness of the Trinity, um, and that's who we're called to be. So I think that's a great message. Well, Billy Graham, I, I think it was Billy Graham's given the credit years ago, said that the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Yeah. Got white churches, black churches, Latino churches, because I'm, I'm glad here at High Praises we've got all kinds of yeah. ethnic, ethnicities and people from various socioeconomic uh, states, it, it's, it's thank God. Of course, yeah. I always wanted a church that looks like heaven. Yeah, exactly. There's no distinctions in heaven, so that's yeah. that's kind of how we are here. But you talk about the unity. I think another thing is the mystery of the Trinity is something that's important. We, we, we're sitting here today, and and everything we say, we're always saying there, but they're three, but they're one. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying to comprehend it. I think that in itself should motivate us to a place of humility mm-hmm. and awe. That's that good. we just say, this is beyond me because God's beyond me. And I'm just a finite, limited creation of God, redeemed, and I can't figure him out. I don't ever want to figure God out. Yeah. I don't want to. I want a God who is beyond me. Yeah. Don't you? Oh, 100%. I want a God that's beyond me in every way. Yeah. Because that's what makes him God. Yeah. And so I think that's important. Um, you know, even prayer, we talk about prayer. You pray um, to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So there's an application there why the Trinity is important when you're praying. You know, you pray in Jesus' name to mm-hmm. the Father, but you pray in the Spirit. There's several verses talk about praying in the Spirit. So I think that's another application. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I like that it kind of helps our picture of God too. This is going to be kind of a, a future podcast topic, so I'm not going to get like way deep into this. Um and we've mentioned this earlier that I think some of us have a split view of God. This is the God of the Old Testament. Um, is you know I, Brian Chapel says he's the big green ogre in the sky, right? That that's how we think of him, and he's angry and he just wants to judge everybody, and um, you know all of this stuff. And then Jesus is um, the the nice, loving flannel graph who wants to hug you. And then the Holy Spirit, we even know who He is and what He's doing, and He's just a wild mystery. I think when we think about the Trinity, we go, okay, I may um, I, I may struggle to understand God as revealed in the Old Testament. I might have to do a little bit more work and a little bit more reading, but I can stand confident that the character of God in the Old Testament is the exact same as what's revealed in the New Testament. Right. And then I can shape that. Um, it's wonderful to see the the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, but Jesus doesn't go easy on sin um, either, right? He is the same God as the God in the Old Testament who did not put up with that um, in the nations and in his own nation, Israel. And then the same holds true for the Holy Spirit. So I think it helps kind of clear up to go, I might not understand everything right now, but the Trinity shows that um, God is the, the same 
in every person. Oh yeah, he's the same God. There's no, there's not two different. Again, that's why this is so important. Is yeah. there's not two different gods. Yeah, it's not the God of the Old Testament and the Jesus flannel graph Jesus of the yeah. New Testament. There's one God, and there is balance and and uh, equity in His character. You know, for the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace, mm-hmm. but there's also truth. Truth is, I'm a sinner. Grace is, but I can be saved. Yeah. You know, truth is, I do things wrong, but grace says I can I can be changed and start doing things right. And that that's the picture in the Old Testament. If God's such a mean ogre, then why did he provide for Adam and Eve? Why did he just, just kill them and start over? Yeah, exactly. Why did he just say, oh, well, you guys blew it. We'll start over. Got mm-hmm. a perfectly good world here. We'll just kill y'all and I'll just fashion a whole brand. He didn't. Yep. From the beginning, he redeemed Adam and Eve. And, and then has carried that redemption all the way through to today. The yeah. story of redemption is God is a redeeming God. Mm-hmm. Now, if you reject that redemption, then you're going to face his judgment. Yeah. And that's the part that people struggle with. And I think the reason they struggle with it is probably because they're sinners. Mm-hmm. And they don't like that part because they see could, what could happen and what should happen to them. But if they can look past that and see there's grace as well. Yeah. They can realize, but, but God wants to save people. God yeah. doesn't want to kill people. He wants to save people. Yeah, exactly. I think for me, the last thing that I see here that, um, th- that the Trinity does is it can affect your worship. Mm-hmm. And you made reference to, you know, God, the father, God, the Son. we don't even know who God, the Holy spirit is. I'm going to put a challenge out there today. Um, most people, when they worship, they'll worship God I praise you, God. I worship you, Lord. We use these these terms, okay? And then I love you, Jesus. We'll worship. Thank you, Jesus, for saving mm-hmm. me. But what about the Holy Spirit? Yeah, he never gets worship. Why don't you worship the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna issue a challenge on this podcast. Is the next time you're in prayer and you're worshiping, intentionally say, "I love you, Holy Spirit. I worship you, Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. I just want to tell you, Holy Spirit, you're awesome. I pray. Thank you for being in me and making Jesus real. And thank you for the fruit of the Spirit that you're producing in my life. Thank you for making the presence of God real. It, we really need that. Look, and people say, I don't know about that. Well, you've probably done it and don't even realize it because there is this little thing called the doxology <laughs> that churches all over the world and mm-hmm. all over America sing. Like every Sunday. Every Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him, all ye heavenly hosts. And then we didn't even realize when we were doing it. Praise Father, Father Son, Son, and Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Yeah. So you were praising the Holy Spirit in song. Didn't even probably didn't even <laughs> think about it. So you've done it, but why don't you do it intentionally? And and <laughs> I have no clue where this podcast is even going. It could get five listens. It could get 500. If you're a songwriter out there, then I'll, I'll throw my challenge out to you. Write a song with lyrics that says... I praise you, Holy Spirit, or some form of that. I think yeah. that's another problem we see too. Is there are no um, songs? I, I, I'm going to say modern or or even far back. I mean, talking about '90s, eight. I mean, I, my song list doesn't go back very yeah. far. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I I can't think of any songs right now that has very clear. Um, worship written to the Holy Spirit. Right, you almost have to go back to the hymns. Yeah, you do, or the doxology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is, yeah. So. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of my challenge to you is um, th- throw some lines in there worshiping the Holy Spirit and um, keep the Trinity in mind because that's who God is. Exactly. 
Perfect. Um, well, this has been the, the second episode and the very first full episode of the Let's Talk About God podcast. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed it. We hope that this was helpful for you. Um, if you would, uh, if you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe. If you would, um, rate us and write a review. That's always really helpful to get the word out. And finally, if you would, go ahead and share this to somebody. Um, send it to a family member, a friend, or a coworker that can benefit um, from having a conversation about God and growing in Him. So um, until next time, we can't wait to see you next month. We'll see you. See you.